We go over the latest James Borrego audio. Is James Booknight challenging for more minutes? Plus, we go over some latest trade proposals. All today on the Locked On Hornets podcast. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. <laughs> It's Locked On Hornets. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. You can thank uh, thank you for making I don't know why you can thank us. I don't know why I decided to change up the script <laughs> there. You can thank me whenever you want. I'll you take can, a thank you. Yeah, I you can thank me thank for giving you this excellent read. You can thank Doug for laughing at me, but we're going to thank you for making Locked On Hornets your first listen every day. We're free and we're available on all platforms. That includes YouTube. Can we get a counter, Doug? What number are we at now? Uh, last I checked, it was nine thirty. Uh, you can thank me by uh, you can thank me for getting Walker a new microphone. That's right. Look you at this. Great. Yeah, it's it's quite the contrast going from bright white with this blue windscreen. I still wanted to get something from the old mic because you've you set me up with the equipment at home equipment both times now, and now I've upgraded. Is that just because like now I'm your I'm podcast? Go- I'm your podcast sugar daddy. You really are. <laughs> I really like that title your pod, for you. Your pod daddy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I, that one sounds, I don't know why I like podcast sugar daddy more than pod daddy. PSD. Yeah, that's what you are to me, Doug. You you do give me PSD, and I thank you for that. Thank Sometimes for, I give you PTSD. I, I think that's, that's the joke. That's the one I was going with. We were going for PTSD. Thank you for the mic, though, Doug. I do appreciate it, and uh, I appreciate you giving me all this beautiful content we have today. We've got some audio we're going to go over. James yeah. Borrego talking about James Booknight, LaMelo Ball's aggression, and their paint decisions, which I know you talked about is pretty hard when you're a homeowner, Doug, and trying to make decisions Listen, on the right paint you want to use. Yeah, well, that can send you down the the longest of rabbit holes. You will be Alice in Wonderland if you try to go to the paint aisle in Home Depot. You're going to waste a whole damn day mm-hmm. trying to do that. Yeah. It's one of the, it's what, it's one of the I think, most consuming decisions as a homeowner is choosing what paint color. Yeah, I can imagine so. I haven't had to do that yet, but you do it with the intent that it's going to be permanent because it's just such a pain to paint, and so I can understand that. Not what Borrego was talking about, though. He was talking about something completely different regarding these players, and so we'll get to that in just a moment as well. Talking about that Clippers game, still pretty long rest before they play their next contest against the Boston Celtics, so they had a rest yesterday and today until you play Boston tomorrow. And Doug James Borrego was talking about a couple of problems that they've had with these teams that defend at a high level, and in particular, they defend the paint at a high level. Here's Mm -hmm. James Borrego talking about the positives from that Clippers game, but also the negatives and just overall the kind of teams they've had to battle so far. Good defenses, good rim protection. I'd say that. A lot of these teams, and we're going to face another one on Wednesday. You know, there's elite rim protection. And, uh, you know, Atlanta bothered us with their length and size at the rim. Um, obviously, last night, same thing. I think we, we missed the second most rim attempts in the NBA this season. Now, the positive is we, we got to the paint the most in the NBA last night. We touched the paint with the ball the most of any team in M- any NBA game this season last night. So that was a positive. Now it's just about rim decisions, paint decisions, and finishing. You know, it's a, it's a combination. There were some that we could have finished and there were some that we could have kicked out. 
Um, there was obviously, you know, we got to be better in our spacing. That's what we addressed today. We still want to get there, but it's just about making the right decision. And part of that is making being in the right spots. Yeah, and I we talk so much about the defensive end of the court when addressing the big man position. But offensively, if you can get somebody that can shoot a crazy high percentage as a big guy that's 6'10 or above, that is the rim threat. That's also something we've kind of touched on here and there, but we've always focused more defensively. That's where the P.J. Washington lack of finishing down low comes in, even though he is a good offensive threat stretching the floor. And then you get to those paint decisions, Doug, and it's LaMelo Ball trying to figure out exactly what to do when he gets to the goal. Anybody else that drives down there? You know, Miles Bridges, he's finishing at a level right now where his decision should be just shoot and go through contact. It doesn't matter how ugly the shot's going to be because they're all falling in for him at, the, at this moment. So maybe you just go ahead and put him up. What did you think of the James Brago audio? Well, I think he's dead on. I mean, so frequency-wise, the Hornets are the third uh, best team at getting to the rim. 36.3% of their offense, according to Cleaning the Glass, uh, goes to the rim. But accuracy, they are 18th in the league, 63.7%. Shocking number, though, the 18th in the league and the 63.7% at the rim – actually is kind of the best in franchise history, or at least in modern <laughs> franchise history since 0405. Uh, this team has generally been awful at the rim, and this shocked me. I, I had to look at these numbers a couple of times to make sure I was uh, looking at them correctly because I, I would have thought, at least in the Al Jefferson Bobcats years, uh, they would have accumulated some gaudy rim numbers, uh, but but not really. Um, James Borrego has one of the – not one of, actually. It's the best offensive team in modern – Bobcats Hornets history uh, seventh in the league right now in effective field goal percentage at 54 percent so they're taking a lot at the rim and and they're missing a lot and I think it comes down to a couple of things yes you have to have a big man who can finish or get fouled Mason Plumlee has struggled with some of these uh, rim attempts you know when you get it to him easy it's it's been great but some of these pocket passes that LaMelo has thrown have turned into turnovers instead of buckets or fouls the second thing is how many of the rim attempts are coming in transition where you can get easier buckets versus the half court where it becomes a lot tougher and it's really inherent on whoever's facilitating it at the at the rim to decide whether this is a genuine you know, opportunity to score at the rim or whether it needs to get kicked out. And that's a major decision point. Yeah. And and talking about the Al Jefferson stuff, you know, you think of him and he was an awesome post score, but that's not the modern NBA where you look at weight points per possession. When you talk about post ups, it's actually not a very efficient play to go to. And so maybe even if Al was phenomenal at it, it's not like that's the most efficient shot and James Borrego said it in this uh, practice availability too. you know, it's the number one thing we work on. What kind of decisions do we need to make in the paint and then trying to finish at the goal? And also we work on the three-point shot as much as anything. You know, those are the things that we work on as much as any team in the NBA. Yeah, you go to the rim hoping to get fouled because that fa the, those free throw attempts are are generally more efficient. Um, that, I mean, that's what made, you know, James Harden, his drive was so deadly, not because, you know, he was hitting a bunch of layups. He could do that too, but it was because every time he entered the paint, it was probably going to end up being free throws. One thing on the Al Jefferson piece, in 13-14, they were fourth in the league in short mid at 41.7%. So I wonder if, like, you know, you know, Al, Al liked to set up on the low block, but he didn't necessarily like to always go to the rim. Mm. So maybe there was that, that that aspect that I'm looking at there, some of his shots being counted as short mid. But it is shocking that this team has been so 
terrible. I mean, even in the playoff season, 15-16, they were 23rd in the league at the rim. Uh, they were just 12th in the league in, in three-point shooting and, and, and just average in the mid-range. And so that equated to a top-10 offense that year. So let's go to one more soundbite before we take this break, because I think if you look at LaMelo Ball and his assist numbers, they've been not necessarily down, but he only had two against the Lakers. He only had three against Toronto. It's not like you're used to seeing him put those types of assist numbers up. Now, he did have 10 mm -hmm. against the Clippers. He had 13 against Indiana, so I don't mm -hmm. want to make it like this is some big problem. It's absolutely mm -hmm. not. But you're seeing more field goal attempts from him, 19 against the Clippers, 18 against the Lakers, you know, Gordon Hayward gone, Kelly Oubre. Like, there are some things we can expect from LaMelo while guys are gone. But here's James Brago discussing the aggression from one LaMelo ball, how frequent it is, and just how it might show up rather than just looking to score it all the time. Uh, he came out last game and played with the right mentality, tried to get downhill, make plays for others. Uh, at third quarter at times, I've seen him be more aggressive as a scorer, if that's what you're referring to. But I think in general, Melo plays aggressively as a player in general. He's he's He touches the paint more than anybody. He gets downhill. His usage rate is high. He creates a ton for us. So, um, you know, I've seen him become a little bit more aggressive at times to score the ball as the game goes. But, you know, I think for us, more than anything, he's got to start the game with the mindset of let me get the driving kick game started. Let me move the ball. Let me create for others. Let me set the table for my teammates early on in the game versus later on in the game. I think his fourth quarter mentality is there. I think that's where he's best right now is – the mindset of the fourth quarter of closing that game, taking what the defense gives him in the fourth quarter. And then, you know, he's got to figure out what to do here in the second and third quarters. Uh, do I stay aggressive with my shot or do I try to get my teammates involved? I think that's really telling. And I, I agree. You know, I, when we talk about LaMelo Ball's development as a player, it's always going to be the decision-making as a point guard. And when we talk about fourth quarter stuff, we've seen him kind of take over in some of those and be successful mm -hmm. at doing so. And then it's James Brago saying, you look at the second and third quarters, those have been the, the – he didn't say anything about it being a problem. He didn't say that. It's just constantly trying to figure out, okay – is it my time to facilitate? Is it my time to try to take over in the half court, whatever? And I think that's just natural growing pains for any point guard in the NBA. Yeah, two notes on that. Um, LaMelo Ball is unique in that he does have this otherworldly passing ability, but he also has an ability to score uh, sometimes at will. And so when you possess both of those things, it's kind of a blessing and a curse. Uh, the curse part being that, some, that, that now it's on you to decide which weapon you are going to utilize when you need to do that and when it's best to do that. So I think that's what Borrego is hitting on there, that, that it really has to come down to Melo deciding, all right, what does the team need from me right now? Do they need me to facilitate to, to others or are others not playing as well offensively and they need me to step up, get to the rim, score? They really need him to knock down three-point shots. I it's mean, his, yeah. his three-point percentage is bad, and, and he's starting to pass up good looks, which is a little concerning. Hopefully his uh, confidence at the three-point line returns when they go to Boston. The, the, the last thing that I'll say is that I think some fans of LaMelo and then some Hornets fans too would listen to that and go, okay, if you've liked what you've seen out of LaMelo in the fourth quarter, uh, why, how about some more consistency with his minutes and his role in the fourth quarter, which tends to change. Sometimes he's playing to start the fourth quarter. Sometimes he's playing to close it out in a more traditional role. So, you know, I, I would yeah. say if, 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 that's, if that's how Borrego feels, 
then you know some consistency in that role I think would would be warranted at this point. And that that's a JB identity. You don't know what he's going to throw at you. Yeah, I nobody knows what kind of lineups he's going to come up with. Nobody yeah. knows the consistency of where these guys play, and that can be viewed as a problem. I I don't know how that throws off the rhythm of some guys. You know, maybe it throws off the rhythm of the defense, which has to be the kind of intention Borrego was going with, but it might even throw off the rhythm of the offense for whatever player you're deciding to sit at that point or who to play at that point too. So we'll see. Uh, let's talk more about these trades. First segment went a little long. Let's talk more about some of the proposed trades out there via Bleacher Report and some other publications. People think unusual circumstances mean complicated taxes, but for TurboTax Live experts, that's what makes things interesting. We all have unique lives, whether you invested in crypto for the first time this year, own an up-and-coming small business, or are raising rambunctious twins. Luckily, TurboTax Live has experts who can answer your tax questions, walk you through the whole process, or do your taxes for you from start to finish. They help you get every deduction you deserve. No matter unique, your unique situation, you can talk to a tax, uh, TurboTax Live expert through your phone or computer without leaving your house. TurboTax Live experts are here to help you however you need, and if you need an extra hand, hand your taxes off to them, and they'll do it all for you. To TurboTax Live experts, an interesting life can mean an even greater refund. Visit TurboTax.com to learn more. You do your thing. They've got your taxes. Intuit TurboTax Live. We appreciate you joining us on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. More to come. Talking trades, talking James Book Night Minutes. That's coming up next. This is Locked on Hornets. Then I clicked on M. Thomas. I'm like, who in the hell is M. Thomas? Matt Thomas is his name. Oh, NBA legend, Matty Thomas. (laughs) Matt Thomas. I'm pretty sure Matt Thomas served me at an Applebee's the other day. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. All right, Doug, let's get to something we weren't able to get to just last week. But before we get to Jake Fisher kind of reporting something where the Hornets might be interested in a player, except not necessarily a big man. Also, he puts out somebody in Houston that you they might be interested in. It's somebody we haven't talked about. A YouTube poll? I didn't even know that we had a poll out there for YouTube. Uh, what is this and is it good for us? Uh, well, uh, yeah, so there is this polling feature on YouTube. Um, I should have had this ready, so let me get it uh, off the running here. <laughs> That's fine. I, I can I can filibuster if you want to as you try to put this up because I'm a little afraid of the YouTube poll. I, I told you a couple times I didn't realize how crazy the YouTube comments were going to be when we got here. And so any kind of poll I can't imagine is met with any rationale on part of the viewers. Um, but I'm excited to no, see it. No. We can put the crazy numbers out there. Yeah, so um, we're just getting started with the polls. So I, I hope we can make this more a part of the show. Uh, but I just wanted to throw out sort of a test poll. So real easy question here. Should the Charlotte Hornets make a move before the NBA trade deadline? 127 votes. 88% of you think yes, 12% of you say no. Joseph comments, they must, they need it, most especially if they want to be in the first round of the playoffs. It's a must. Uh, Slat saying, Terry got to go. Gordon, PJ, yeah. and Bumley for some assets. Man, Slat, that's brutal. Um, <laughs> and the crazy and proud says, everyone wants this. Boysen says, we need a better center. That's okay. Yeah, I was asked this on the afternoon rush yesterday, too. Like, do they need to make this trade? And I said, if you want to compete in the first round, you do. You know, that's that's the bottom line. If you 
think you can prolong this timeline a little more, then you don't need to, and you can wait towards the offseason. I'm with Roderick Boone. I don't know if you saw his latest article in The Observer, but I'm right there. He even used the the last line of his article was like, the time is ticking, and I've been saying that over and over. Tick, 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 tick. Like, LaMelo Ball is not going... Uh, to get any younger and his prime is is approaching and it might already have started and it's time now uh, to get him some players that can get this team into championship contention all right so maybe some of those players would be a miles turner or christian wood or some of the usual suspects that we talk about via the trade Or, or, or maybe it could be chetty osmond Doug, is that the guy that you thought might help this Hornets team? Well, Jake Fisher put out there last week, as the trade market seems to have a few two-way wings available, several teams, including San Antonio, Charlotte, Dallas, and Milwaukee, have phoned about a Chetty Osmond. What do you make (laughs) about them swinging for the big fish and going after Chetty? Uh, this is not the first time that the Hornets have been interested in in Chetty Osmond. I forgot about that, but that's so right. So I wonder, so part of me wonders if this isn't some information that is being sort of recycled, reused, that if Charlotte is not necessarily contacting about Chetty Osmond now, but has contacted about, you know, contacted the team about him in the past, uh, I would be a little bit suspect about whether like right now they think Chetty Osmond is, is an option because they are so... I think heavy at the wing. Maybe Chetty Osman, if they move some wings in order to acquire a big man and they're looking to restock, possibly. Uh, but I would be a little bit wary about this rumor. Yeah, I would too. Um, and this is not to say anything. If they about o- listen, they- I'll tell you one thing. If they only come away with Chetty Osman at the trade deadline, <laughs> that's not going to be the big swing you wanted. Yeah, I figured you would. Yeah, it doesn't make a ton of sense to me. You know, this is somebody that I, I feel like. It, when, when you talk about the the wings that they have on this team, I think you would just probably roll with them. And also, you know, this isn't to say that Jake Fisher is completely without any kind of evidence on the Hornets' interest here with Chetty. But we know, I always go back to that Mark Gasol rumor where Hornets, they were right, right on the line of making that deal to go get Mark mm-hmm. Gasol, Mitch Kupchak's first go-around, and it was Shams, Sharania putting that out there constantly. And it was like, you know, and then Mitch Kupchak would speak. He's like, look, I I honestly don't know how close we ever really were to making a trade for Marcus All. And then you hear some stuff about the Andre Drummond interest, quote unquote. And then it's like, well, you know, it, 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 I all, you know, from people that I knew that kind of knew about that, it's like, look, the Hornets aren't really interested in Andre Drummond. So, you know, when you talk about like this, it, it, They may have shown some interest, but it probably was just like a phone call because Mitch does make frequent phone calls and then he doesn't give you what you want. Like that's what we've come to see from him as general manager. And it's been a really patient, um, been a patient blueprint. Bobby Marks talked about that on the latest low post podcast he appeared on. So that's what I kind of think. Here's another player we can get to real quickly. Okay. Yeah. Give me somebody now. Hold on. Hold on. I want now. Give me somebody good. All right. We did Chetty. Let's, Mm -hmm. Let's get rid of Chetty. I want somebody good here. Give me a good, juicy player rumor that I can sink my teeth into. Oh, for sure. No, this is going to be the main course, baby. This is going to be yes. an excellent my one. Mouth ready? And my mouth is watering, saliva accumulating within <laughs> my jowls. Okay. Another Houston veteran drawing significant interest ah, of late. Yes. Has been center Daniel Tice. No! Mm, no! The high price for Miles Turner has led several teams, including Boston, Charlotte, Milwaukee, and Toronto, to inquire about the Rockets' big man. So how about Daniel Tice, Doug? Is that somebody that you find tasty here in Charlotte? 
My mouth is immediately dry. Yeah. That I immediately figured. dried my mouth. I swallowed all of my saliva. He was the exact That does exam. not excite me at all. Yeah, he was the That's a step backwards. That's a, like, why are we, why are these rumors rerunning uh, free agency rumors of yesteryear? Mm -hmm. I, I know, I'm, I want the future. The future is a, possibly a cheap Miles Turner or a Sabonis or a Nurkic. That's the future. I don't know. Daniel Tyus, Christian Wood is the future. Daniel Tyus is the past. He is the past, but he might be the future. And I said this as the exact example when moving on from Cody Zeller. If they do that and then view Daniel Tice as this big upgrade that I was going to riot, but instead they just kind of viewed that with Mason Plumley. That's what they decided to do. So can you imagine going from, yes, Cody Zeller to Mason Plumley to Daniel Tice as your starting center? I mean, good God. Look, the jokes, they write themselves with that one. I mean, the Hornets... The jokes have already been about them drafting big white guys, and now if they're just going to continue to trade for all of them, I mean, I'm sorry. At some time, so look, you're just susceptible to this now because you keep going after them. I don't care. I just I want someone that can score effectively at the rim or get fouled. Mm, I mean, sure. I just want someone. Just give me someone who can protect the rim and score at the rim, so that the Hornets uh, don't have to be in the basement of of rim accuracy year after year after year. I would agree. We'll see what they decide to do. We'll see if their big fish is Daniel Tice or Chetty Osman. All right. Oh this episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. So why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning? You don't have to do that anymore. You can save time and money when using Rock Auto. Don't choose to spend 30, 50, or even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership. Rock, uh, Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every single customer. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or your truck. Right, locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. They have an amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Also want to discuss Bet Online. There might be less football being played, but betonline.net has way more odds and info for this playoff season from scores totals player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land bet online is the number one spot for all things nfl betting in 2022 and it's not just football betonline.net's basketball hockey boxing and ufc odds coverage is the best in the business from sports down to your favorite Vegas casino game line is your number one online wagering destination. Bet online the fastest and the easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. Bet online where the game starts. Let's play some more James Brago audio on James Book Night coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. You are listening to the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Main character for American Psycho was Patrick Bateman, which really confused me. I always thought that Jason Bateman was Patrick Bateman and that Patrick Bateman well, was Jason Bateman. <laughs> it's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. All right, Doug, if you look at James Booknight, he's been somebody getting a little more minutes as the season has gone on. And I, I thought he was going to get some right off the bat, kind of, because they lost a few players on offense. But Kelly Oubre has been outstanding. You look at Ish Smith, who really helped them at the beginning of the season. So now when you look at James Booknight, now he's kind of getting downhill a little more. We love his ability to get to the basket, and mm -hmm. we've seen him 
play against, I think it was Oklahoma City. We saw him play against the Clippers a little bit. Um, you know, Indiana, right? So, like, uh, yeah. So, all of these teams here lately, he's been getting some kind of run. Um, mm -hmm. James Brago was asked about that, whether he's challenging for minutes. And Brago said, yeah, he kind of is. I think Book has showed progress. He, he's shown that he can impact this roster and impact games for us, certainly. Um, once we're fully healthy, obviously, I got to make that make that call and that determination. Um, but, but he's one of those guys I got to continue to watch, you know, his ability to get downhill and create. Uh, he's had some big games for us. You know, I thought he played really well in Toronto, Indiana game. Obviously, we're going to need him in Boston as well. So if he continues to show growth, you know, well, he's going to he's definitely going to be a part of the equation or at least be in the conversation. And that's his job is to put pressure on me, you know, and so far he's doing that. So. Yeah, you look at his game log, right? So seven sorry, minutes. Sorry, I ended that. I ended that bite a little awkwardly there. It sounded <laughs> like he had a lot more to say. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> if you look at the game against OKC, you know, seven minutes there. That was the first time we we saw him appear here recently. Mm -hmm. Atlanta, seventeen minutes. Toronto, twenty nine. Pacers, 22, 7 against the Lakers, 19 against the Clippers. Obviously, some of that is because of some of the players that they've been missing. Gordon Hayward, health and safety protocols. Kelly Oubre, sprained ankle. McDaniel's been out with an ankle injury as well. So the, the question is, will he continue to get minutes when those guys come back? And, I, I mean, I it's going to be tough because – you know, defensively, as you've talked about, you're just going to trust all three of those players more so than Book Knight. What do you think about Book Knight's playing time as the season even goes into the not only latter half, but even last quarter? Uh, you know, I think that um, he has availed himself very nicely in this opportunity. Uh, I, like you, thought that they may lean on him more at the beginning of the season, but with, with some of these draft picks, you just never know. You know what that that first little little period before the season starts, the coach gets a really good idea of what a player can and can't do, and and what they're ready for. And, and I think part of his absence at the beginning of the season was uh, as much about James Booknight as it was Cody Martin stepping up and really showing what he could do and taking some of that early opportunity away from James Booknight. But it's not like Booknight is just sort of rotted on the bench. He's had yeah. some uh, pretty brilliant performances in Greensboro, and so he's gotten plenty of experience. But but Book is itching uh, to get more playing time in the NBA, and, and I think he's done well. There have been some defensive issues. Uh, I thought, you know, he got scorched by uh, Brandon Boston like several times, especially at the end of that third quarter when yeah, the Clippers made their run. Yeah, so I mean, there are going to be those issues that I think prevent him from getting like a serious rotation role this season, but he's done enough. You heard James Borrego saying he's putting pressure on Borrego to start to think about it. I just don't think Borrego's going to seriously think about it yeah. unless there are <clears throat> multiple injuries or until we get another offseason under, under his belt. You know, and sometimes when you go to these press conferences and coaches are asked about players rather than them bringing whatever player up themselves, then you have to wonder how much of it is it how much of it is them wanting to speak glowingly about a player that they mm -hmm. just got asked about? So they're kind of yeah. forced into it a little bit, right? I mean, that's a cynical approach. It doesn't mean that he doesn't like Book wow, Night. Yeah. I mean, Book Night's clearly Where's getting your more minutes. Where's but, your belief? Why is the light? But you, you go to one press conference and all of a sudden you're like cynical, hardened. I didn't even go. Journalist. It was just the Zoom. <laughs> I didn't even go to it. I didn't even go to it. It was just the Zoom press conference. So yeah, I just you just clicked a button. I just that's all I did, and now here I am thinking that I'm sourced like Wojnarowski. No. No, I, I think let me I, tell you let me tell you kids about something about press conferences that's right that's right 
Um, I think I'm comparing it to the Jalen McDaniel side of things at the beginning of the season when he outwardly came out really and said, hey, you know, Jalen Daniels is putting a lot of pressure on me to play him, and and maybe he was and asked he said about that. it. He, you're saying he said that unprompted. Well, and, and may, I don't know if he was asked about it. All I know is that he was a lot more like, "Hey, no, this this guy is really effusive. playing." He was effusive in his praise. Yes, he really was, and so it, it he was praising Book Night, you know, and we kind of have two here recently, and he's clearly been getting some runs. So, you know, I, I it'll be interesting to see because it's hard for a rookie to get time, especially with a playoff-mandated season. You know, But I will say, like, he's kind of on the developmental track as mm -hmm. some of the second-rounders that we've seen from Borrego before. Kai Jones is the, you know, we're not playing him. You know, that it's just not his time. But Book Night, we've seen this with Devontae his rookie year. We saw it with McDaniels. We saw it with Martin. You know, those guys at the end, very different scenario because they weren't playing for something, but they still got run towards the second half in the latter part of the year. Like now you're starting to see that a little bit with Book Night. Now the question is, will it continue once these guys come back like Oubre and Hayward? Yeah, and I, also I think if if this was a talented defensive team, that that needed offense, you know, that needed a little punch, then Book Knight would be getting minutes, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah. Book Knight is suffering right now because this team is is already poor defensively. Uh, if it were, you know, and you know, the story of every rookie in this league is about situation, is about what what circumstances they find themselves yeah. in, and and whether that benefits them or doesn't. Uh, I, I think again, I just think next season. Is is really if if Book Nine stays focused, which it looks like he has no problem doing, he looks engaged. Uh, he he looks like someone that is uh, that a coach would love. That then I think he's going to have no problem breaking through in mm -hmm. year two, and that's okay. Like every rookie doesn't have to come out and have a Lamelo Ball like year. For sure, no, and we've seen that here quite a bit. You know, Miles Bridges didn't have a Lamelo Ball breakout year, and now right. look at him what he's doing you know pj while he might be performing to what you would hope an 11th overall selection would do for you um at least he's doing it right like i, I know they did a redraft on the athletic sam vicini and i forget who was a part of them as well oh, um, love a good redraft um a redraft had pj like i think going a, a spot higher and, and cody martin was way higher he was drafting the first round of that so you know kind of going Caleb to show martin you. too probably actually gets drafted you see the dunk Caleb last night Oh man, Caleb I mean, Martin goes after you. So does Cody. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't doubt that they kept the the correct code, the correct Martin. Um, I don't doubt that, but I I doubt whether they needed to get rid of both of them because I mean Caleb has been. It's yeah. And why you don't, give them to the Heat? That's the you know that's the thing that burns you is oh they they had, look the Heat have no problem finding players like this elsewhere. We don't need to give them players. Right. Well, and the thing about Cody, I was watching him in this last game too, just watching him shoot some three pointers. It's like you know that it's it's night and day. You trust him shooting a set three pointer where he's open. When he tries to take you off of the dribble or or do anything remotely fancy, which is move with the basketball and then shoot, you know, then you don't feel as comfortable. But he's not doing that, right? Like, there's a reason his percentage is so ridiculously high, how it's a complete 180 from what he was doing. I, I said this on the show the other day. It's not like he was a really bad shooter and then has become, hey, he's pretty good, like 38, something like that. The guy was atrocious, and now... He's shooting lights out, and it's all set shots. He's getting set up, and he's just knocking them down on the shots you would want him to take.
Well, the interesting thing about Cody Martin is if he keeps up this level of three-point production, then the scouting report suddenly changes on him. And, and and you never know how long it takes for teams to really adjust when a player goes from just not being able to shoot at all to suddenly being able to shoot. How long does it take for those scouting reports to start to adjust? But when they do, it's going to open up opportunities for him to drive. And we know that, yes, when he gets fancy with the ball, when he has to move through certain players and try to create space, it gets a little bit dicey for him. But if he's got a clear takeoff to the rim, like he's going to yam that sucker. <laughs> yeah, he's going so to try. Yeah, when sure. teams start running out on him, that's when there could be another level of his offense that opens up. So that's that's exciting. Yeah, it is. All right, that'll do it for Lockdown Hornets. Thanks for joining us and making us your first listen every day. We've got West Wednesdays. Wes Bryant could be hopping on with us tomorrow to talk about all the latest in Hornets land. Now make sure your second listen is Lockdown Bets, your daily one-stop shop. For all your gambling needs, Lockdown Bets is hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all platforms. Have a great rest of your day. We'll be back with you tomorrow.